ever since I decided to like start my business and go full time with it and quit my job, like it's all just been like a means of cutting out as much authority from my life as humanly possible. Squeegeening Podcast Season 2. This podcast is sponsored by Blind Maggot, Magna Colors, MR, Target Transfers, and Adobe Creative Suite. My name's Phil. I own Pyre Press. Um, I co-own it with my wife, Vicky, and um, we started in about uh, 2018. Um, and we have one employee, we have an auto, and we print tons of shirts for metal bands and yeah. all things adjacent to that. Yeah. So is that is that have you actually seen um because you're kind of like the uh the bigger American version of Heck Press in the UK? Because they Oh yeah, they, sure. Yeah, yeah. She predominantly does um the same kind of like genre of shirts. Like how did you get into that? in a similar way where you were in a band and you're printing for yourself and then other bands saw what you could do or how did you get into it? Pretty much. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've been playing in bands for like a really long time and, um, you know, I got my, my interest in printing and my interest in playing music kind of lined up sort of around the same time. Um, and then I just, just through like playing music and, you know, a bunch of my friends playing music, I just, started printing for all their bands. And then, you know, just kind of like my network just kind of grew, I guess you could say. So, yeah. yeah. So is that why you've kind of like almost exclusively on your Instagram, you've managed to stay in your niche because you don't have to do like external marketing and stuff like that. It's kind of like, Oh, where did you get your shirts from? And word of mouth. Um, yeah, kind of. I mean, um, you know, it's, it's just like, it's, it's what we know and it's like who we're connected with. So it's like, um, we just stay within that niche just for that reason. Like, I mean, we're really involved with like the underground metal scene. Like, you know, we, all the bands that we work with and it's just like the events that we go to, it's just like, we're so involved and so immersed in that culture that it's just like, that's where, that's where all of our work comes from. So it's just like, there's not really like particularly a reason to go outside of that. And mm. not to mention, it's just like, I feel like just whenever we started out, it was kind of like a very deliberate thing. Whereas like, this is what we want to do and this is what we want our focus to be. And so we just like have never felt that it was necessary to navigate away from that. Yeah. Um, because it's been like pretty, you know, it's been, been pretty good for us so far. I mean, we've been able to grow the business over the past few years and, um, all that fun stuff. Yeah. How have you found the business side of it? Cause there is a point when you're like, oh God, this actually has to make financial sense. And then I've got to do employees and finances and leases. Like does any of that overwhelm you or do you oh, just yeah. take it in your stride or, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's overwhelming because it's like, I've never, this is the first business I've ever owned, you know? Um, so it's like, I'm kind of just figuring it out as I go. And like a lot of this stuff can be very overwhelming. Like, um, you know, we're buying a warehouse right now. I've never bought commercial property before. Um, it's a pretty stressful experience. Um, in just in the state of Pennsylvania alone, where we're at, um, it, there's a lot of bureaucracy and just like a lot of red tape and that none of that is free. So, mm -hmm. um, 
you know, just being able to like budget for things in that way and just being able to know how to like navigate it while also still being a good printer um, mm. and just like taking care of our customers and that sort of thing. It's, it's definitely very tricky and it definitely can be very concerning because it's like, you know, well, like, what if this doesn't work out? You know what I mean? What if this building doesn't work out? Or, you know, what if, cause we're renting right now, like what if our landlord decides they want to like sell the building and then where do we go? Then what do we do? You know what I mean? So mm. it's a lot of the things that are just kind of like, mostly that are out of my control that I have a tendency to worry about, but like, you know, I mean, we're always, we're consistently busy, um, with printing. So as long as that's there, like, it's really not, I'm not concerned about the other things I can figure out, you yeah. know? Yeah. What, what was the, cause I've never had to buy a commercial building. Like what's the, um, kind of decision opposed to like renting it as opposed to like wanting to own the building outright yourself? Like why sure. would you make that jump? Um, well, for us, like the building we're in right now, um, first of all, we completely outgrew the space. We're in about 2000 square feet right now. And we're just like completely jammed in there. And the building we're buying is about 10,000 square feet. Oh so my gosh. <laughs> obviously a huge jump. Um, but for us, it's like, you know, there are other people, we're not the only business in the building, you know, there's mm. other people in the building. Um, sometimes that's great. Sometimes it's not so great. Um, like one of our best customers is in the building too. And that's awesome. Um, you know, but it can also be like challenging just because it's like sharing a building with other people, especially with like printing, like if it's loud or if we're creating a lot of fumes or like something like that. And plus it's just like, we don't really have the freedom to like do everything we want to do with the space. Mm. Or I guess I view it as being counterintuitive to like, like, I don't want to like dump a whole bunch of money into a space that's not mine that I'm outgrowing. You know what right. I mean? Mm. And kind of the other side to that is like, you know, the, the area that we're in right now, um, that we're renting from is in like a really heavily gentrified area. <laughs> um, and it's like over the past couple years, they've been building these, they, they just finished, but they built these two condo buildings next to our shop. And it was just like, just like the construction that we had to deal with on a daily basis was just like such a nightmare and like just, you know, having to like go through our landlords to try to like figure out and like navigate all that kind of stuff was like a really stressful thing. So I think it's just like any, but even before that, we ultimately decided that like, you know, this is something that we want to be doing for the rest of our lives. And mm you know, we'd rather be in full control. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, I guess maybe a better way to put it, put it would be that like, ever since I decided to like start my business and go full time with it and quit my job, like it's all just been like a means of cutting out as much authority from my life as humanly possible. <laughs> and the landlord being a big one of those, you know what I mean? Because it's just like, I don't want to have to like ask permission to do something or you know, whatever. I want to be able to like go all in and like do everything. Like I want to, we want to create like our dream shop basically mm -hmm. and doing that in a rental, like, you know, I don't want to have to like ask permission to do stuff. I want to just like do it and make it awesome. So, I mean, there's pros and cons to that, I guess, you know, if something goes wrong, you're like, it's a hundred percent on you. You know what I mean? But like, 
you know, also we don't have the best landlords either. So it's also kind of already been a hundred percent on me if I want something to happen in a like reasonable amount of time. So I guess it just depends. I mean, it, every shop's a little bit different and, um, you know, depending on where, where the shop is at, um, you know, what stage they're at, if they're outgrowing their space or whatever, like, you know, maybe it makes sense to buy something. Maybe it makes sense to like, just rent something a little bit bigger for a little bit longer and just kind of like see where things go. I mean, if our shop wasn't growing, I probably wouldn't be trying to buy a building, you yeah. know? So, yeah, of course. so in your dream shop, is there like space for like a stage and live music events and stuff like that? Or yeah, is, yeah, yeah, totally. Uh -huh. Yeah. I mean, at our shop now, like this was before we started, this was before the pandemic, before we started doing fulfillment, um, we had a couple events at our shop, um, with live bands and it was great. I liked it a lot. So I like, I'd ha like to have more of like a proper area for that. Um, rather than something that was a little bit more makeshift, like what we had before, um, you know, but also just being able to like have the room to expand our fulfillment because right now it's just, we just don't really have that. And like, you know, I'm already like pretty selective about what we take on. So, you know, I want to just be able to like have the space to allow for the growth. You know what I mean? Like 10,000 square feet is way too big for us right now, but mm. I don't think it's going to always be way too big for us. You know what I mean? So just kind of like looking at the long game a little bit more and like sort of looking about where we're going to be, you know, down the road rather than just focusing on like, this is where we're at right now. Like, you know, we can make the 2000 square feet work for another couple of years if we really had to, mm. but like, that's not what I want to do. So yeah. you know, it just, it all comes down to like goals and like what you want and where you're at and where you think you're going to be and where you want to be. I think. Mm. I, I think that's a really important thing you just said, because if you don't have a plan, if you're just taking day as it comes, then you'll never know what the next like step should be and you're not like looking like when's the soonest I can make this step but it sounds like you've got the, like, this ultimate dream and then it's just like right how do I get there as efficiently as possible yeah, um so that's, like, that's like your driving force um can we talk about the artwork that you do because it is just on another level of like even the stuff you're posting today was crazy like the detail and how you work how are you finding are the metal bands finding the artwork themselves or are you linking them up with artists that you like or how are you, how are you just being fed all this awesome stuff? Um, well, uh, I mean, a lot of these bands, like, you know, they, they have their vision of what they want their band to look like aesthetically. And a lot of times they're, um, they're just coming with their artwork already. And, um, sometimes it's just from like, reputable long-running artists that have been doing artwork for metal bands for years other times it's people that are like fairly unknown unknown or obscure um we really don't facilitate any artwork stuff i mean we work with some artists directly and there have been times where i've kind of been like if a band asks like i'll be like oh this this might be the best person to like ask for this type of commission or whatever but most of the time it, they're just kind of coming to us with like, here's all the artwork. Um, yeah. but that being said, a lot of times it's not really uh, like the vision maybe isn't like fully realized yet. And like, we kind of collaborate with them on how it should ultimately look like sometimes like, you know, we'll have bands that will send us like the elements of a design where it's like, here's like the artwork, like here's this painting 
and like, here's our logo and here's some, maybe like some other like visual elements, like illustrations or like logos or like an album title. And we want to try to figure out how to like, what's the best way we can make this all look really cool. And we'll kind of just like work with them on more of a layout type mm. of thing, and like selecting like what the colors should be for like, yeah. It's like the, a lot of the stuff we do, it's like, it'll be like an album cover and then like the band logo, the album title, and then prints on the sleeves and on the back. And then the prints on the sleeves and the back and the album title and the band logo will be usually like the same color. So we'll kind of like work together on figuring out like a, like a color scheme, so to speak, where it's like, what, what best like fits this artwork. And, you know, we work, we collaborate a lot on, in that sense, but more often than not, they're coming with like a completed design, you know, Mm -hmm. or a scan of an illustration. And we're just kind of like figuring out how to make it look as good as possible or as true to the original as possible. Yeah. And then what kind of like treatment do you do yourself? Like are you using separation um, software or are you doing it in Photoshop or sending it off or how are you dealing with the artwork for making it screen print ready? Sure. Uh, yeah, I do it all myself. Um, really? I don't anything out. Yeah. All of our like uh, SIM process uh, separations, we do um, T-seps. So it's like a add-on to Photoshop. Um, and then... Um, yeah, I just, I just step it all out myself. I just have like the, you know, the original artwork on one side and the step right here. And, um, my wife, Vicky knows color theory really well. So it's like, she, she'll like work with me on the step and like, I'll kind of like get like a preliminary step down and, you know, she'll like look at each color and be like, okay, this color needs to be more like this. Or so we kind of like, you know, fuss around with it a little bit like that. Um, but then the stuff that's just more like straightforward, just like if it's just like a logo or like an illustration or something, I'll just, I'll just output that right out of Photoshop. Mm. Um, I don't really do a lot with like vector just because a lot of these bands are like, you know, they're, they're providing like, like hand drawn and it's just like, I suppose it could be vectorized, but it kind of takes away the charm a little bit. So you know, I guess it just kind of depends. We've output some stuff vector, but like, it's mostly just through like Photoshop or like T-seps, you know? Yeah, that's really cool to know. So like, did you learn about that on YouTube videos or just like practicing on your own or like, because that is a whole other genre of printing that a lot of people yeah. never bother to learn. Yeah, no, it's definitely, it, uh, it all just comes from experience. Um, I worked at a shop for about six or so years. Oh, right. My own shop. Um, and they did a lot of SIM process stuff there. And um, I just learned a lot from them with like how to output films and like how to get stuff set up. Um, so it was just like a lot of learning from them. And then just kind of like a lot of figuring out on my own what works and what doesn't. Yeah. You know, a lot of trial and error. Um, yeah. Um, so. like what kind of like inks and stuff do you like to use now with, um, so there's a one, one thing that I want to ask about Say if you've got like a black long sleeve shirt and you've got like a neon print, uh-huh. but your, your designs are like crazy intricate and how are you, are you, how are you dealing with like underbases and what type of inks are you using in conjunction with your underbases? Cause it looks like super vibrant and mm-hmm. really yeah. detailed. Um, so we, we use water-based and discharge primarily. Um, we don't use any plastisol only in like a really, really rare circumstance would we ever use plastisol. Um, but like a lot of the stuff that you're seeing on our Instagram page is like, it's mostly discharge. So Mm. like, 
there like in a lot of instances, there's not an underbase. Um, you know, unless it's like a full color thing where we then we would have like, you know, like the artwork itself would be underbased. And then the rest of the top colors would be like lower mid solid water base. And then the spot color would be discharged. So, um, you know, but if we were to do that, say with like, you know, high solid or mid solid, then we would do like, we would underbase, um, you know, just with like a white and then like do the top color. Yeah. So but it's mostly, it's, I would say it's mostly with discharge. So there's okay. not really a whole lot of underbasing happening. But with the neon, is that an underbase of discharge and then the spot color on top? No, no, yeah. it's just like just a lot discharge. of the fluorescent colors is just, just discharge. Yeah. Mm. Just straight, straight discharge. Okay. Yeah. Huh, that's like surprising. I thought we well, yeah, have just maybe my, I need to work on my neons. <laughs> my dark colors. Yeah, well, it, de- it depends on what you're using. I mean, and it like, it depends on maybe uh, like what specific print you're thinking of that we did. Like if you want to just like, uh, like send me an example of what you were looking at, I could tell you exactly what it was and what we did. Mm. Um, because I know there's like, there's like a handful of like, uh, like fluorescent discharges that we've done that, um, we use CCI's T charge and it's like really fluorescent, but mm. I mean, it's a straight discharge. It's not, you don't underbase it. Yeah. Um, but is it, it is very fluorescent. You, you were talking about fumes and stuff earlier. Is that like a, because you're just predominantly doing discharging that's a huge consideration in your new warehouse then like getting yeah. all the ventilation sorted and making it super healthy for you guys how totally. are you going to deal with that that's um, stressful that's a good question um i haven't really gotten that i haven't really gotten that far yet we haven't gotten the keys for our building yet so i'm kind of just like i'm sort of like taking it one step at a time where it's like i don't want to get I don't want to put the cart before the horse, yeah. so to speak, or I don't want to like start planning out too much stuff and then it like falls through or something like that. But, um, I don't know, we're going to, we're going to figure something out. I mean, right now, like, uh, maybe about like a year and a half ago, we got a sprint 3000 dryer and that mitigates the fumes like a lot. Like really? it really, like, as long as we're staying on top of like cleaning out everything and doing all the like regular maintenance, like we don't have fumes the way we used to like before when I was using like an electric dryer, I was even using like a really old gas dryer. At one point, the fumes would just be like, just be like pouring out of the mm. in feet and the out feet of the dryer. Like it would just be like, it, it was like the, it was like the dryer was on fire because yeah. it's like the thing, the other side of this too, is like all the, all the printing that we do is all like massive. You know what yeah, I mean? I know. It's the right to the extreme. Like 13 by 19. So it's like when you have that much ink on a shirt and it's like seven colors then it's like, you know, all that, uh, moisture being pulled from the water-based ink or the discharge is just like, you know, it needs to go somewhere. And if there's not any good ventilation or if there's not a good like exhaust system within the dryer, it's just, going into your shop and into your lungs or mm. in our case into the other businesses of yeah. our building you know what i mean so like um yeah i don't know but it's like we're gonna we're gonna figure that all out you know when the time comes because like within our new shop we're gonna be able to vent the dryer uh have the exhaust go straight up through the roof rather mm. than right now we have it going up and then there's a right angle and because we have someone above us so we can't go straight up but you know so all, all those kind of things are all like 
considerations and things that will make it a little bit better and mitigate yeah. the fumes and all that kind of sort of thing. So, um, do you, do you think there's like enough bands and work in your niche to like allow you to expand this much? Like, how, do you feel like there's more that you can be doing in a day and you're having to turn away work or do you think you're just, I don't know, capture more of the the <laughs> bands in you in other States as well? Um, you know, we say no to a lot of work actually. Mm. Um, just because like, I, it's, it's mostly just like out of being like, I want to work with the bands that I really like. Um, and so there's like kind of like a selective element with that, but it's also just kind of like our schedule fills up really fast. So if it's something that I don't think is going to be like fruitful for us to work on, or if it doesn't really like fully fall in line with our vision, then I'll like, you know, respectfully we'll pass on it. You know what I mean? Um, because we also have like a lot of bands that we, we do a web store and we do fulfillment and we have a lot of bands that ask for that. Mm. Um, that's mostly what we say no to just because it's like, you know, a we're limited on space. B, the stuff that we're doing on our web store is like more of like a curated type of thing where it's like this, we want to like reflect our taste, I guess. So it's like, mm. don't really just say yes to everybody. Um, but I guess to answer your question, um, I don't think that there's, I don't think that there's like a shortage of bands that need merch. Yeah. Um, it's just like, it's a, it's a really small scene, but it's also like very dense. You know mm. what I mean? Like, there's so many, there's constantly new bands popping up and there's constantly new bands that are getting really popular. And there's like a lot of bands right now that are also just willing to tour nonstop, like after COVID, you know what I mean? They're just willing to do like whatever. And, um, they're always looking for really reliable people to work with because there's so many unreliable people to yeah. work with. So yeah. that's where we come in, I guess. Yeah. Um, Exactly. Yeah. So you probably understand their needs much more than any other normal print shop. So that's why they're, they're like crawling sure. over themselves to get on your schedule. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like, I feel like if like a, you know, we're better suited to work with like a death metal band than we are to work with like a little league softball team. Yeah. And I think that the, the customer <laughs> base knows that. So it's like, you know, I know what those bands want because like I've, been in bands before I am in bands. Like I, I know how to like, you know, when, the, when they're like, Oh, we want this amount of shirts. I know when to say that's not enough shirts for the amount of shows you're playing. Or I like, I just kind of, I have a pretty good sense of how to guide them into doing the right thing. Mm. And, you know, whereas like if somebody emailed us and was like, Hey, we want a thousand shirts printed on polyester. I would probably be like, Hey, I'm not the person to do that. You know what I mean? Like, cause we have had like requests like that and it's like, oh, I'm flattered that you would think of us, but at the same time you should go hit this shop up because yeah. this isn't, I'm, I don't want, I don't want anything to do with that. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do it as well as somebody else would, yeah. you know? I, I think there must be a lot of shops that aren't financially stable enough to be that confident and just say, oh no, that's already for me. And that's where like that kind of feeling of desperation comes in. Or if you've like worked yourself into this hole where you work with anyone, then mm -hmm. you're like, oh, you just accept all these jobs that aren't 
right for you. And I think it's okay to fire customers and push them to other people. I think that's oh yeah, that's a really I, big step. I fully support firing customers because I think that you need to first things first, you need to do what's right for yourself and you not let like customers necessarily like take advantage of your shop or your employees or whatever. But also you just need to know what you're good at. And that's mm-hmm. ultimately what's gonna make you money. Like for me, it's like, you know, I was I was selective right from the jump, even before I was in a position where I probably should have been selective. (laughs) I just was because I was like, well, this is what I want to be doing. And anything else is a distraction from that. You know what I mean? So it's like, I guess it kind of sucks. I mean, I know that like what it's like to be in a position where you're like, oh, I have to like make this rent or have to like pay for this stuff. I have to make my overhead, you know, and there's like a job that's in my inbox right now that I could probably take, but it's not what I want to be doing. So like, Mm. let me go figure out how to get more of what I want to do. And Mm. so that, I feel like that's kind of like what, that's kind of like what you have to do. I mean, I guess that's what like really to like, I was looking at your questions before we got on here and like advice for like people that are trying to like start their own shop. I think Mm. a really important thing is find a specific area of focus and stick to it no matter what, like stick to it as best as you possibly can. I mean, like, you know, I'm not going to say I've never taken a job that I didn't want to take, but just trying to like as much as your energy as you can put on that one specific focus, I think is so important Mm -hmm. because then you end up in a position where you're like, okay, like the business is stable enough where I can now, you know, really like be deliberate about what I'm doing. So yeah. I mean, yeah. your strap. I don't think softball teams are going to come to you anyway because of your your strap line. What's your strap line? Something like something fuck oh, off. Or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> six like, bucks. Yeah, no. It's, yeah. I mean, that's the that's the thing. Is like, <laughs> I feel like we just kind of know, like, we know how to appeal to the crowd that we're appealing to. You know what I mean? It's like, I I, I don't know. Sometimes, like, I'll look at like a a like a brand's like marketing. And I'm just like, who is this for? Like, I don't know who this is for. (laughs) Like, I feel like you look at our stuff and you're like, okay, I get, I get who this is for. Like, I get what this is about. Like, and just trying to make that like really apparent, you know, Yeah, I think I I, I think it's very obvious and clear that you do a good job on that. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. I mean, yeah, I I don't really think we're going to be, getting asked to do like corporate work or anything like that. And that's like part of the whole strategy too, is like, I'm trying to like divorce myself from any of that sort of thing as much as humanly possible, you know, cause yeah. it's just not me. Like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to talk to those kinds of clients really. Um, you know, but like if some, metal band like comes to me and is like, Oh yeah, I want like a shirt that has like a, goat breaking a cross in half i'd be like yeah great sounds good like let me see the art let's do it you know what i mean like i've already got this on file (laughs) yeah yeah i'm like all right yeah let's let's i'm good to go you know what i mean like i just know how to like i know how to communicate with those clients i know what they want i know like you know i'm just like that's just so much of what i do so yeah um i was gonna try and ask you a little bit more about like your unpopular opinion in the industry like as a whole Oh, sure. <laughs> I have a lot. Um, but you can keep I, going because this is okay. this is my most fun segment. <laughs> okay. Um, 
My, I think maybe like my biggest one is that I think that like direct to garment and any kind of digital printing is just completely bullshit. <laughs> I think it's just another way for like some of these companies to try to like sell you more stuff. Um, and that's, I'm not trying to like speak negatively on any of like the manufacturers or anything like that. I just think that it's like, I, I just like the, I don't think the technology is there yet for as hard as it's being pushed. Like I see like a lot of this stuff where, you know, I've seen it in person and like people show me like, oh, look how like amazing this print is. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. It looks like a printer printed it, not like a screen printer printed it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you know, there like I just look at that kind of stuff and I'm like, there's so many people that can do this artwork so much better. And so I'm just like, I'm just not on board with that. I'm not on yeah. board with any of the digital stuff, but I'm also like a bit of a purist when it comes to screen printing too. So like, I don't really like, I think automation is cool and it's great, but like to an extent, I guess. Mm, yeah. Where it's not getting in, when it's not interfering with the actual art. So like maybe I, I'd definitely get like a screen cleaner. I'd probably get an auto coater. I'd get. Sure. Yeah. Any of that stuff, but nothing. That where, just helps you be a more consistent printer. Yeah. You know, that's not like completely taking like the the digital stuff and dtg just like it takes like all the fun and all the like artistic uh sensibilities out of it you know like Mm. i I get it people don't want to like um you know burn 14 screens and line up 14 screens and make 14 inks or whatever but at the same time when that's all said and done and you're working on something that you're really excited to work on and it comes out really well for me, at least I'm like, wow, now I have something that I can be proud of. Like mm. we, we picked these inks and like we did this separation and like we spent this time dialing this print in and now it looks amazing. And now all these people are stoked with like a digital thing. Like I've seen him in person and I'm just kind of like, that's it. Like, I I mean, it's just a printer. Like, I don't, I don't, I, maybe I just don't understand it enough, but I think that's probably, I don't know. People seem to be really taking to the whole digital thing lately. And it's just, I'm not Um, not here for it. I don't know. Yeah. I think, I think it's just going to separate out the, the super quality stuff with everyone else. And we're actually just going to like rise to the top a little bit more as screen printers as, like basically they try it, don't they? They try DTG and stuff and then they always a bit let down by it because most of the suppliers, they're just churning this stuff out en masse and they're not really having, they're nowhere near having the connection that you have with the bands, like giving them advice and real life experience and stuff. So right. it's not even, it's like way beyond the product. It's like the the service aspect and now the fulfillment as well. They can completely trust you, but you can't really trust DTG fulfillment even. It's um, the huge, huge factory is just, you're just another number in their order sheet that day. So yeah, yeah, mm. sure. And uh, yeah. I don't know if this is true with like, uh, like any DTG print, but I got a, a DTG shirt once and it came with like a sticker on it that was like, it was like, oh, don't worry about the smell. Like it'll go away after you wash it. What? <laughs> oh yeah, it's not weird. Yeah. I don't know. If, I, I think that's like a DTG <laughs> thing where it's like, it smells like. I don't know. I don't remember what it smelled like, but it was like, had like a weird odor to it. Um, but even like distrust prints, they have an odor, but I'm not like putting stickers on them saying. 
Yeah, well, this I, is oh, sticky. I, this is a stinky shirt until you wash it. Yeah, I feel like when it with discharge, like whenever you if you cure it, then it doesn't really smell weird. It smells weird when you're printing it, you know. Mm. Got that, I bet like, the box like trumps a little bit when you open. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I don't. I don't know. Yeah, so I, the the warning label, this is a stinky shirt. I don't know about that, but like, um, yeah, I don't know. I just don't. I don't care for it. Um, uh, I just can't get behind it. Neither can I. So, and it's not even like I can't afford it. I could probably get it. I could probably get it on finance or something. I could, I could, but I just don't have any desire at all. Cause they all just can't foamy. And also they're, they can misalign their white underbase. I don't even understand how that's a thing. If it's stuck on a, anyway, sorry. Yeah. That's, that's like, <laughs> I could get really out. Be a dead horse. It sucks. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, can you tell me about the fulfillment side? Because I'm finding even just managing a few uh, skews of our own brand stuff quite difficult. Like, yeah. are you getting software to help you figure out the fulfillment and and stock that you've got for all these different bands? Um, yeah, so we have um, we just have our store through Squarespace, and um, we manage all of our inventory through there, and we do all the shipping and fulfillment through ShipStation. I mean, it's honestly pretty easy. Um, everything just imports right into ShipStation. Um, really all we got to do is weigh the garment and press create label and it's good to go yeah. for the most part. Um, that's more something that my wife handles because she used to work for a record label and did mail order. Um, so she's kind of like got her own thing going on with that and like got it on lock. I just kind of like communicate with the customers and like make sure that the shirts don't suck. Um, yeah. and so, are you highlighting when they're running low at a certain point and then saying, guys, it's ready for a reprint or. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, it's like if we have like a popular design, um, you know, we'll just reprint it and, you know, put the inventory on the web store and we have like a mailing list too. So like, you know, we'll send out like an email blast that says something's back in stock or, you know, if it's like something that's really pop, like a really popular band and we're doing like a new design, we'll just do like a pre-order and, um, we'll print based on the pre-order and then we'll, uh, just, you know, take whatever the pre-order numbers were. And sometimes if it's really popular, we'll just double them and mm. just inventory that, or we'll just print like, I don't know, like a hundred extra inventory of those. And, yeah, you know, so it really just depends. Every band's a little different, um, you know, just based on the popularity of what we think it's going to do. And, you know, and then if something like sells, even if we didn't print that much of it, if something sells out, sells fairly well, like, yeah, maybe let's, let's reprint them. Let's add a little bit more. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I've, I've also seen you, you're like got all the different facets of screen printing down, but like I've seen you at events. Do you actually go to events and sell? Was that you? Yeah. At, yeah. 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 So like, yes. what, what is that store? Does it like prop up at, at gigs and stuff or like, where are you selling in person? Um, well, so we did, uh, we did an event at our shop. Um, we just basically did like a pop-up with, uh, the record label that's in the building with us. Um, and then we did this other thing that was just like a local thing at this, uh, venue. They have like a big outdoor festival. Um, and we tabled there. And then this past weekend, um, we were just in Philly for, uh, this magazine decibel does this huge metal fest. That's like two days and um we were a sponsor of the event and so we oh, set cool. up there we were tabling there and we were just like you know selling you know I've, not everything that's in our store but like we picked like 
you know, a bunch of different designs and just like set them all up on display and brought like a limited amount of inventory and brought some other stuff too. Just like some, we had like, we have like a little bit of like secondhand and like vintage stuff that we had just like put out on our route. Um, so yeah, I mean, we've done it, we've done that a few times and it's really good. It's really great for networking because it's also like, at least in the instance of this festival in Philly, we printed for a handful of the bands that were playing. Mm. So we brought their, we brought all their shirts out there. You know, we brought all our stuff there. We set up or networking. It's really, it's just a really good thing for us to do, especially when we're like, you know, so involved with the scene. It's like, it's, it's really good for us to be present and just be able to like talk to people that buy stuff. Even if it's just someone that bought one shirt from us one time, you know, like there were a handful of those kind of people that came up to us at our table and like, Oh, I bought this shirt from you. Like, it's so cool. Like, I like what you guys are doing. And like, that's, so it's just great for us to be seen in that way. Um, so I definitely want to start doing more of that kind of stuff. Um, it's a really good money earner as well. Like you, you've got a website and stuff, but you have no real, you just don't really find it easy to like drum up business for that type of thing. But when people are in an event, they're so much more willing to like spend money on beer and shirts and having a good time. So their wallets are open. So they're much more captive audience. Well, I feel like (laughs) those kind of festivals, um, especially like in the metal scene, um, I feel like people go there with money to spend on work. That's, that's why they go there. I mean, they go there to see the bands, but they're also like, okay, like, you know, this label is going to be set up. Like this is going to be here. Like there's going to be all these records and all this merch. And like people just like, they just go there with the intention of buying stuff. And mm. I think that's really cool. Cause it's like, well, first of all, they don't have to pay any shipping on it. So they're probably like, Oh, if I see this thing that I've been wanting to get, I don't have to pay shipping. That's cool. You know? But also it's like, people will see it in person and be like, wow, this looks really awesome to buy this. You know what mm. I mean? Um, so there is good money in it. Um, that being said, I have no interest in ever doing any kind of live printing ever. <laughs> <laughs> what? How could you just came up with that as a thing that you know that you hate? Yeah, no, I've done it. I've done it once or twice before and it's cool, but it's just like, I don't know. There's so many variables in screen printing and there's so much stuff that can go wrong. The last thing I want to have happen is for something to go wrong in front of a bunch of people. Mm. You know what I mean? And, yeah. um, it's just nice at those events to just be able to just like hang out and just be like, yeah, this is the stuff we made. Check it out. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you look at it or you buy it, or if you don't want to buy it, that's cool too. You know, like having to like print something on top of that is just like, it's just a whole other, it's a whole other element, you know, yeah. that I'm, I'm not personally interested in. Yeah. Get straight um, to the selling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, I understand that. We actually had that experience on our own market store because I used to think that the live printing drew people into the store, but it was mm-hmm. actually kind of like, um, because I'd have to keep the ink moving on the screen, I was actually like saying, oh, do you want to print this to people? And they actually just wanted to browse. And some people are like nervous enough coming on your store. So when you say like, oh, do you want to do this interactive thing with me? There is like a big percentage of the population who are a bit like nervous about that on the other hand on the other hand like the people who do actually do it with you are like blown away with excitement and they're like oh my god I just printed this myself but I don't think it led to more sales in whenever we did it so I kind of understand why you want to sidestep it a bit 
Yeah. Yeah. I think it just, it just depends on like, depends on like the print shop and it depends on the event. Like it, I don't know. Every, every shop is so different that it's just like, I just know that for me, that wouldn't work. I know that for me that like with our, um, customer base, like they're more interested in just seeing like a cool shirt from a cool band. They like, mm. you know, I don't think it's necessarily not that they, not that people wouldn't want to see how it's made, but like in order for us to make it something that like looks really cool, I just, I don't know. It's just so much, yeah. so much effort for me personally that I don't, I don't think I'd ever want to get into. Yeah. Um, um, is your own brand, is that the Ulthar stuff? Ulthar? No, Ulthar? I'm just seeing, yeah, I'm seeing that a lot on your, on your like web shop. Was that your own stuff or is that like um, stuff? Oh that no, we've... that's, that's a client. That's a client we work with. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, they just came out with, uh, two new albums that they released simultaneously. And, um, we just put up a pre-order for their merch not that long ago. And mm. so, yeah, we've just been promoting that. Usually oh, okay. when I put up like a new pre-order for something or like, if we're like putting something new up for a band, um, you know, we just focus on promoting that a lot. Yeah. How, how do you distinguish what's your stuff? Like, are you branding it with the shop name or how are you doing that? Um, I mean, we have on our website, we have a couple shop shirts. Um, and it just, yeah, it just says like, just has like the shop name and like logos and stuff like that. We, we have like a few different, um, over the last couple of years, I've gotten like a few different artists to do like their own interpretation of our logo. Um, it's kind of been like a, like a, not really like a theme, but just like something that I've like continuously done and like want to continue to do. Cause I think it's, it's cool to see like, like seeing other artists, like interpretation of like something that wasn't originally theirs. Mm. Um, but yeah. where, does, where does that name come from? Cause it doesn't mean anything to me yet. Oh, so. <laughs> um, I, got it, I got it from a black Sabbath song. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I don't know. <laughs> I actually saw a really funny video today and it was this guy and he was doing the drums and instead of having like this screamo guy behind him, he, he was just taking um, seals noises seal screams uh, and he was just drumming over it and it sounds it sounds pretty much like a human but like the best <laughs> version of what a human could do it was really good i think i watched it like three or four times but yeah no, yeah i'm not the coolest with music or anything like that so i'm just such a geek uh yeah okay black Sabbath song. yeah um so i've seen embroidery on your page as well but then i'm thinking are you just shipping that out are you just getting that done from someone else yeah i have a friend shop that does our embroidery for us um right now but i i'm looking for us to get into embroidery and doing it ourselves whenever mm. we have our building um yeah. just because like we're doing more and more of it and it's just i think it's just i would just rather have stuff in-house you know that's the only thing we i mean we only do screen printing and embroidery um you know we don't really do I kind of dabbled in like the promotional products thing, like a little bit, just doing like enamel pins, but mm. I don't know. There's just so much that can go wrong with it. And it's at the end of the day, more work than it's actually worth. You know what mm. I mean? Like, cause I think like the, the enamel pins we were getting were from like China or something like yeah. that. It's just like having to like, you know, their their lead time was like super long. I mean, they were they were great and everything, but it's just like having to just like go back and forth between like communicating with like the person that's actually making it and then like the customer 
And mm. then it's like at the end of the day, it's like, I don't know, how much can you possibly make on like a hundred enamel pins or something? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like, for me, it's like, I'd rather just be like, Hey, just hit up this enamel pin company. And you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I yeah. don't, I don't need to do this, you know? Yeah. Not quite worth the thing, but like, I, I'm guessing a lot of your customers are wanting like caps embroidered over generic uses of embroidery. Am I right? Like they're obviously yeah, not going for like left chests or anything like that, are they? So. No, no, no polo shirts or anything like that. Um, <laughs> No, mostly just like, yeah, just like dad hats and like snapbacks and like the occasional beanie. Um, mm. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty much, it's pretty much it with embroidery. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's a lot, there's a lot of them we do. And, um, you know, we do sell them on our website and I, I love selling hats on our website because it's like, um, you know, they're one size and they're easy to ship. <laughs> don't take up a lot of room you know what i mean yeah. with like they just shirts, stack inside like, each other don't they they're sick yeah. yeah yeah with shirts and stuff it's like okay well it's like okay we have a lot of shirts here oh they're all the size small like let, this isn't really doing anything for me you know what i mean like hats are just they're just an easy sell you know yeah um I, with that embroidery though i wish i had bought two machines because i do do like flat embroidery as well but if i had two machines i'd have one just set up for caps and i'd never ever change anything on it and then the other one i could just like mess around with but yeah caps is is on the trickier end but then when you've got like the needles dialed in and that type of thing it does run smooth eventually but it can be Mm -hmm. super frustrating initially because just break 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 but then i've never embroidered anything before um that's going to be uh vicky my wife that's going to be her thing she's going to figure that all out (laughs) So, Does she know uh, that, or is she just dumping on her now? <laughs> <laughs> no, she knows that. She knows yeah. that. That it's that's. She was like, I want to get into this. Like, I want to learn how to do it. And I was like, mm. Cool. I don't. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So it's like you can figure it out. Um, but I've been I trying. Mean, to I know, like, I know yeah. Once I see it, once I see it happening, I'm gonna be like, Okay, I want to learn how to do this now. You know. <laughs> That is so bad. You don't like, make her do all the horrible like learning work, and then you just swoop <laughs> no, in at I'll, the end. I'll help. I'll help. I'll help. But it's just, <laughs> I guess, like, I guess what I'm saying is more of like con- conceptually. I don't want to learn how to do it. Like, it's just yeah, like yeah. I don't know. It's just like learning learning another thing. Like when I already have like so much going on with screen printing, is it's more of just like f- feels overwhelming. Yeah. Right now, but I know like once we actually get a machine, like you know, we're going to figure it out. And yeah. It's good fr- it's really, really fun when it comes out nice. And then you're going to go into puff. You will just perhaps play around with puff and it's really, really fun. Anyway, yeah. apparently like the second thing you should get after embroidery machine is a little flamethrower, little, little baby one. Cause then oh, that really? like, yeah, you burn off all the threads really quickly instead of like getting oh. in there with scissors and snipping them all nicely. Yeah. I've got my eye on a little flamethrower as well. That's from like talking to Ken Blackwork the other day and he's got one. He just like uh-huh. always whipping out his little flame drawer. Um, yeah. So is there anything, I do actually want to like ask you some quite technical questions about your printing. So, sure. um, do you know when you're doing your SIM process in T-SEPs? I haven't used that one. I've used like Separation Studio Next. And initially, because I've come from like the vector background, I would always change out my mesh for like my underbases. But with sim process, I've kind of been told that that's like really bad. So, uh-huh. do you ever like change your mesh types out if you're doing sim process, or do you do them all in the same? Or 
What kind of choices are you, you making like changing with that? The, the different, like different mesh count or like a different, yeah. like the mesh count for like under bases, like being lower and then higher for oh. the um, colors. No, we use all the same mesh count pretty much. Um, yeah. We only use two mesh counts at our shop. We only use 230 and 200. It's all Great. we use for everything. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes for a sim process, like it'll be like the base and all the top colors will be like 230. And then depending on what the spot color is, that'll either be 200 or 230. Just depends on like maybe how detailed it is or like what the actual ink deposit's going to be like or yeah. even what the color is. Have you bought into any of the like thin thread meshes and screens? Yeah, yeah, yeah we use thin thread. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, we use and all then, are you finding it difficult to like, what, did you initially find it difficult to source those? Is that something that's come into the industry in the last like few years or has thin thread always been available? Mm, I don't know that it's always been available um, or that it's even necessarily like a newer thing, but I mean, I've been using it for a pretty decent amount of time. Mm. Um, and I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty easy to come by as far as I can tell. Um, I guess it depends on like where you're getting your screens. I mean, I'm sure it's different for you. Um, yeah. obviously we would have different suppliers, but like, um, you know, over here, it's pretty, it's pretty easy to come by. Yeah. You guys have all the best stuff, <laughs> like, but like, even, um, even like, what was your choice? Like, would you stick to having, I think you've got a big MNR auto, haven't you? And you yeah, got the, and you know. got the, so why, why did you pick M&R or was it just handy or were there any reasons behind doing um, that? I mean, there's, I've, I've always thought M&R stuff just looked really cool. Um, I always like thought that shops that had all M&R equipment just looked awesome. So like, I guess aesthetically I was drawn to it perhaps, but also at the same time, like, you know, I like that it's like, um, you know, they have their like manufacturing facility not that far from us really in mm. um, illinois so it's like i you know it's it's kind of like proximity wise is close and it was like easy for me to like go out there and just like see everything in person like at their facility oh wow um and you know i just kind of liked it because it's like they have like a ton of techs and it's like their equipment is like pretty simple it's like pretty easy to fix if something goes wrong it's pretty easy to work on it's easy to learn um so yeah all those things but i mean i looked at i looked at all of them whenever i was like considering buying an auto um you know i looked at like rock and stuff and um i've used one of those presses before they're cool um it's just ultimately at the end of the day m r was what made the most sense for us so yeah i wish so, they'd all uh, allow you to paint up your auto with whatever color you want because anatole have started be doing that like yeah oh really yeah they're like what pantone do you want and you're like i mean row color or whatever but they just spray up any color I'm like m and r should do that because i'd go for like matte black with i know they're not going to put leds on it but i want leds on it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah i never really even thought about that honestly because i was just kind of like oh yeah it's the one that's blue like that's just what it is. That's their thing, you know? Yeah. Um, this yeah. is your opportunity. When they when you take it apart to bring it over to the warehouse, you can like go to a shop blaster and like get it all sprayed <laughs> up. This is the yeah, only yeah. opportunity you got. You gotta do yeah, it. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess <laughs> if I had the I guess if I had the choice, like right from the very beginning, I would have told them to just make it black. But yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think I've ever like willingly like picked the color blue for anything, but like, <laughs> like now that I have it, I guess it's like, I couldn't imagine it looking any differently, you know? Um, I don't know. Get spray it black and then you can get someone, you must know someone who's good at airbrushing in the kind of niche you're in. They could like airbrush all your. I could probably find somebody. I think you should. I think <laughs> it'd be disappointing. The community would be disappointed if you if you don't take that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're definitely going to paint our building black. I could tell you that right now. <laughs> the equipment that might sounds be really expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It will be, but it's going to be worth it because it's going to look really cool when it's done. Yeah. Have you, have you ever seen um, Killer Merch's studio in Australia? I think it's Australia. Uh, no, I think so. It sounds familiar. Yeah. They've painted the whole thing black and then they've got this huge white kind of mural with all these like crawling plants all over it. It's like, yeah. oh my God, that one looks really, really cool. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's like, I've always really wanted to do that, especially because it's like the building we're buying, it's like, it's really old. It's from the turn of the century. And so like, we need to just do some, like a little bit of repairs to the exterior. And it just kind of like, doesn't necessarily look like an eyesore, but it's also like, not, I don't know. It just, it needs to be painted black. That's Mm. really the. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I understand that. Like I've painted my house black. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Not very good with the neighbors, but who gives a shit? Uh, If it's your house, it's your house, you know? um yeah is there anything else you want to like talk about or have you got one more last unpopular opinion to share or <laughs> uh or like when or say so you can say something positive about the industry that you've seen you don't have to we don't have to always be negative i suppose oh okay well yeah all right i won't be negative then i i do think that it's really nice to see that like a lot of people are like sharing more information now more than ever with like a lot of these like podcasts being more popular and they're just being generally more of like an open forum, so to speak, mm. where people aren't like holding on to their like secrets, you know, so-called yeah. secrets as much. Cause it's like, that's kind of like a very like old school printer mentality of just like you have your like little bag of tricks and you don't show your hand ever. And like, I think it's really cool that like a lot of shops that like, um, you know, probably both of us know, um, are either like friends or at least like there's a lot of mutual respect where people can like bounce different, um, ideas, techniques, or just like talk about the industry because there's not a whole lot of information out there, or at least there wasn't maybe like 10 years ago, for example. Mm. And now that there's just more info and more people that are willing to talk, I think that it's like a really good thing that ultimately helps like push it forward and helps encourage people to get into printing rather than, you know, to be like, Oh, I'm not going to tell you how to do this or this is how that works. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so yeah, that's a, everyone's I think, talking more and being cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everyone's just being cool. I like that. You know, yeah. I think that that's a really good thing that's important. Um, but Oh yeah. And I will, I will, you wanted a hack. I will share a hack with you. Um, one thing that I found with printing with discharge is that um, to never put tape on the bottom of the screen if you're using mm. registration marks. I don't know if you've ever done that, but... Um, Probably just from habit. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, when I was learning how to print, like, it was, you know, we're always taught to put, like, if you're using, like, registration marks, put the tape on the bottom of the screen, mm. tape up the registration marks. But 
when I started printing with discharge, I was finding that there was like a line um, where the tape was mm. and I wasn't sure what that was coming from. And whenever you put the tape on the inside of the screen, that line doesn't happen. So, right. So what is it? Is it just ink lifting off screen? How is, what is it then? <laughs> happening um, is that it's kind of like seeping through those registration marks and, mm. um, you know, it's just causing a little bit of a discharge yeah. line on the shirt. Okay. Uh, Cause there's like evaporation and more like gases and all that going on as well. Maybe. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. But when you put it on the inside, it doesn't, it doesn't seep through that way. So cool. yeah, um, I found that to be very helpful. Cause I was like, when I first started trying to figure out discharge printing, I was like pulling my hair out, um, trying to well, figure not out too why. much. Cause you still got those. But. Yeah, I, I still got it. I still got <laughs> it. Not too much. I still got it. But like, yeah, no, it was just really frustrating. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, have you got like foggers and stuff to like keep it all um, really like wet when you're printing? Have you no, had to do anything um, like that? No. No, I've I've contemplated getting foggers, but um, I don't know if it's really necessary. Like where we're at, the the weather is kind of weird. It's like you know, in the summer it's like very humid. The humidity is really high, but like in the winter it's super low. Um, so just kind of like knowing when to like adjust the ink chemistry a little bit, I think is important, but I've never really like, or at least not now. I, I don't, I don't really think that like for us, like foggers are like entirely necessary. Um, mm. They look really cool. Yeah. Uh, but Apparently yeah. someone had like a whole uh, swimming pool, like a little paddling pool underneath their press because the foggers are causing so much water that it's just got to go somewhere and it's just like collecting on the floor so they're just collecting water like that it's like holy shit that sounds like a massive fire hazard and like stuff that i don't want to deal with i've got my little spray bottle and i just keep spraying the shit out of it so but maybe yeah, i should look at my chemistry doing like a long run you know we'll kind of like go around the press and just kind of like mist with water a little bit but i mean I don't know. As long I feel like as as long as you're not like stopping for like a really long period of time, it's it's usually okay. You know what I mean? That's at least that's what I found. I found it to be more difficult on a manual with inks being problematic than on an auto. Yeah, uh, definitely. <laughs> just because it's especially when you're doing full color, like there's always some kind of movement happening on an auto unless you, unless you pause it. You know what I mean? Um but, and also like something I found when I was printing, like, especially again, full color on a manual, just having like the screens like angled up and like spinning them all, like just cause I mean, airflow is what cures water-based ink. So it's like mm. spinning the press. I just feel like that airflow, like draws moisture out of yeah. the, out of the ink, yeah. but you know, on a auto they're laying flat and they're sitting stationary. So don't really have that as much. So I, Feel like a lot of the issues that I maybe once had where I was thinking like, oh, a fogger would be necessary went away when we started printing auto. Right. Okay. That's really interesting. I was yeah, like, and I don't even have a manual anymore. I sold my yeah. manual. So uh, that really, really brave little thing. Cause I know you, you 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 can rely on your auto a lot, but are you not like a little bit scared that it will go down for a few days and you'll like want a manual print? No, you're just not scared like that. Well, let me, t let me tell you this. We, we did have our auto go down um, and we had the manual and I was like, 
fuck that. We're not using the manual. <laughs> like <laughs> we're not going to look as good. They're not going to look as it's like we could, but they're not going to look as good. So then it was just like, well, if we're not even going to use it when the auto goes down, what do we have it for? Mm. You know, it was just taking this big space again, we're out of space. It's taking this big space at the shop and we needed like a receiving area because like I was just ordering our blanks, like basically like job to job. And then with the pandemic and the supply shortages, I was like, we need to get as much product here as possible. Lots of black t-shirts, basically. Yeah. So I just got, I just got rid of the, I got rid of the manual and I created just like a little staging area um, for us to store all of our blanks. Um, And I I haven't, I haven't regret it yet. Um, I mean, I I have like a soft spot for manual printing and the, the press that I sold, I, um, that was like the manual press that I like started the shop with. And I just have spent so much time with it that like ultimately I was holding on to it for sentimental reasons and I was like outvoted on like having it there. So I was like, (laughs) all right, like we'll get rid of it. That's fine. Um, Take it when I'm not here. Yeah. 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 I mean, no, I, the, the person that bought it, like I helped her and her husband or whatever, like loaded onto their truck and everything. And it was like, you know, I said my final goodbye or whatever, but like, (laughs) I mean, I don't, I don't miss it because it's like, whenever I was printing manually, it was just like, it was just like agonizing. Like my, I was just like in pain all the time and like, just, I don't know, just kind of, just kind of sucks. That's (laughs) okay. Now Um, that we have the auto, it's like, I don't know. It's just like, things are so much more consistent and like, there's just a lot more control over like what we're trying to do and yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll get another like little manual one day, but for yeah. now I'm going. That's okay. You don't have to say that you'll get a manual because it doesn't sound like you're going to. <laughs> you're trying I mean, to be nice to the manual printers again. No, 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 no. It's it's not it's not oh do you you're you're a manual shop, you don't have auto at all. It's like I don't know. It it's kind of like a bittersweet thing. It's like on one hand, it's like, yeah, it would be cool to have one, but then on the other hand, it's like, am I really gonna use it if I get it? Like, am I really ever going to use it? Mm. Probably, you know, like I like it in theory more than I like it in practice. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I understand. I understand. Like I've had a, I had a rough day today. (laughs) So, uh, on the manual today. Uh, it was like a rough day with lots of different things. And then I I, met, I managed to mess up like four shirts and I didn't even notice I'd done it because the image was so colorful and crazy. Uh-huh. I didn't I didn't spot that I'd done it. Um, so that, that wound me up a little bit, but it's okay. <laughs> it's yeah. for our own stuff anyway. So yeah, I don't well, know. Does, that, that softens the blow, I guess. I mean, yeah. do you see yourself getting an auto? Yeah, our thing is space at the moment and we're just doing stuff with a a different business at the moment like our focus is over here but we are going to get pushed out of this space eventually and then it's all just going to like go like dominoes really quick and we'll have to get an auto to justify to like make enough turnover to justify the space because you can't we don't really want to employ a lot of people I think a three-man um shop is probably where we want to hit actually just like maybe one or two part-time assistants or something but yeah i mean it's yeah. a perfect amount of people to run an auto i mean you could yeah. run one by yourself too but it's like you know the thing is with an auto then it's like you don't really think about it a whole lot like when you're thinking about getting the auto but that also should really come with a much larger dryer mm. and then, you know once you do that 
if you're printing by yourself, you're loading, you're offloading, then you got to go to the back to the back at the end of the dryer. Well, now you're walking like at like 20 feet yeah. rather than like, you know, maybe before it was like 10 feet or something like that. So it's like, it doesn't sound like a whole lot, but like when you're printing a couple hundred shirts, it really adds up, mm. you know what I mean? Going back and forth and back and forth. So at least having two people is, you know, is good. Like somebody to just be at the back of the belt, yeah. somebody to offload, but it's I mean, good for morale as well. It makes more fun if there's two of you just like... Yeah. Well, it's also like, I mean, the Sprint is actually, the dryer we have is actually like surprisingly like pretty loud because it's got these like huge, it's got these huge exhaust fans on it. So it's like, we can't really talk to each other. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like we're, you have to like yell across the exhaust fans and like Sometimes if there's like a shirt with like a hole in it, like we'll just write like on it, like a cleanup card right, hole and just like put it <laughs> on the shirt and do the dryer because <laughs> I have to walk all the way over there and like say, Hey, this shirt has a hole in it. You know yeah. what I mean? So, That's really funny. I hadn't heard of that before. So you, you're still just curing it through and just, <laughs> that's really funny. Yeah. It just says, yeah, it's just a little, just a little note that says hole and, <laughs> It, it doesn't burn up in the dryer. I always think like stuff like that's just gonna. It gets like fire. a little. Like, it gets like wrinkly, but it doesn't like burn up or anything. Just because yeah. it's, I don't know. We got it. We got it low and slow. You know what I mean. So it's yeah. not like, not like we're hitting it with like thousand degrees or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that is another huge thing about um, discharge printing. You do need a big dryer, or at least run it through twice, because you can't get a good cure just with maximum heat. It has to be this slow kind of dwell time, get all the moisture out, doesn't it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, I mean, yeah, I've done the, I've done the run it through it twice uh, a lot and it's not fun. <laughs> no, it's not fun. really horrible. It's, it's, it's really, it, I mean, at the end of the day, like depending on how often you're doing that, it's more of just worth your while to just save up and buy a bigger dryer because mm. it's like having to like, there've been so many times where I've been like printing for like all hours of the night and I have to run stuff through the dryer twice. And I'm like, did I run this through twice? I don't yeah. even, did I run this stack through? Oh, I'll just run them all through again. And then like, I don't know, it's just like so easy to get confused and it's like so much extra work. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Do you print with water base or do you use Plastisol? All of it. We do all of them. Yeah. Um, I'd say probably like 60% plastol and then the rest water-based and then a bit of discharge sometimes if we're feeling like a bit brave or we definitely know that it's going to do well on the type of garment that we're using. But, sure, yeah. yeah. Um, there was one more thing before I, before I let you go. Do you know like how a lot of shops always wish that they had more heads on their autos um, uh -huh. because they can't use a lot of the stations because of like flashes and stuff? But with, with the kind of work that you're doing in the majority of, you don't really have to flash discharge deep because you're just doing it wet on wet. So does that mean you've got more capacity with the amount of colors that you can do? Is that right? Yes and no. I mean, we certainly, we don't run our press in revolver mode very often. Mm. I don't know. Do you know anything about what revolver mode is or anything like that? I've, st I've started seeing it. Yeah. Really and there's even like, new I, don't really, I don't know if you really printed on like an auto before, if you knew much about like, so, but we don't do like, <clears throat> we don't do like revolver mode um, often at all because since we're not really doing any print flash print. Um, so it, that saves us a bunch of time. But I mean, there are instances where we do need to flash like, 
if we're doing a sim process, we will flash after the base. Mm. Um, just because I feel like, I don't know how other people feel about this to do this, do a similar thing, but like, I feel like it helps the top colors become yeah. way more vibrant. Um, so, and it's not a very long flash. It's like a pretty quick flash, but at the same time, um, every single day, I wish we had more print heads every single, <laughs> like, it's, you know, seriously, like, uh, it's just, there's, there's been, there've been a lot of, like I was going from a six head manual to, and we have an eight head, um, auto now. And I was like, Oh, that's two more heads. Like that's totally fine. I'm doing all this stuff with six heads now. Like that's totally fine. But now like, as I'm like, as I've had this press for a few years, I got it in 2019. Um, I'm doing seps and I'm like, well, it would be really nice to just make this, uh, 12 colors instead of, Mm. or like, wow, this should really be 16 colors. Wow. 16 colors. If I had the ability to, a lot of the shirts that we print would probably be between 16 and 18 screens. Yeah. But does the customer like want to pay that? Or do you do that with the, this is an 18. That's a really good question. I mean, there have been times before where like I've quoted stuff at like uh, six colors and I'm like, well, um, I'm going to add that seventh color and I'm just not going to charge him for it because yeah. it really, needs it. you know what I mean? Like, mm. I feel like a lot of times you don't really like realize that until you're like actually doing the separation where you're like, especially with something that's like a lot of the stuff we do, where it's like an oil painting. It's like, mm. once you're like really doing the step and you're like really in there, you're like, wow, like this like little bit of like pink or whatever would like really make a big difference here. Like, and so we're just cutting a lot of that stuff out now. And, you know, I don't know feel like some customers would be willing to pay for it. Others would be like, do it as good as you can with the least amount. Maybe it depends on the budget. You know, there's, there's so many factors there, but uh, I think just like what I'm saying is just more of like the freedom to be able to do that if we wanted mm, to. Yeah. Win some awards. Like just go up on it. Like on the weekend, just go like, this is a 17 color oil painting, basically like, well, wet discharge with something, something. Yeah. Yeah. Not even, not even that, just like, you know, just having that ability to do that or just like the ability sometimes, like I, I really would like to have a second flash in there because when we're doing like a SIM process thing, like, like sometimes with like the print being so big and like the ink deposit being so heavy, like, you know, if there's like a lot of buildup of ink on the bottom of the screen or something like that, like I feel like that could be like resolved sometimes with just having like an extra flash before we hit mm. the spot color. So it's not just like, you know, like a logo and then like all this empty screen space being printed over. Um, and just having like, extra room maybe for like cool down stations. Like, so not even necessarily just like being able to do like an 18 screen print or whatever. Um, but just having the, just having like the freedom to, to be a little bit more, uh, dynamic with how we're Mm. setting up jobs be cool. Because right now it's like, there's basically, if we're doing a seven color print, there's one way, there's one way we do it. Yeah. That's it. You know what I mean? Cause we're limited by what the press can handle. So, um, but at the same time, like, you know, we, the, the press that we have is like in our space, it's like pretty much the biggest press we can have in our space. Yeah. Um, 
This is going to go bananas. I'm, I'm so excited to like keep following you as well because this is just going <laughs> to you're just going to fill that space in no time, aren't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well. Um, yeah. Well. So uh, Ryan uh, Kasparian from Covered in Ink. I don't know if you know him, but he's doing the layout of our new shop, and oh wow, he was trying to like he's trying to nudge me into getting a second press. I think, and I don't, I don't know if I want to have two presses. I think I might just get like one one like replace the one I have, which is like a much bigger one, but I don't know. He said he's going to factor in a second press and in, in the layout. Yeah. It's, it's just going to draw, do you know, like when people die and then you go around them with like white tape to show where the, the body is. Have you seen yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. He's going to do that on your floor and then you got to go past it every day and be like, ah, oh, fuck, I really do need that press where, that, <laughs> where, where he's planned it out there. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Then, well, then it's like then it's like I get to thinking about it, and I'm like, well, it really would be cool to like have the sportsman, the eight color sportsman, just have like the sleeve palettes live on it all the time, mm, and then yeah. press only do sleeves, and a presser would do like all the like full front and full back, and then I'm like, oh man, this is just it's just turning into like <laughs> like, like a way like a way more involved thing than like I ever thought it would be. Um, yeah. That's a really oh. good idea, though, with the amount of sleeves that you seem to do. Just just yeah. sleeves, just caps yeah. on one of your embroidery machines. Yeah, 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 have very, very specific. And then just all your downtime is, like, cut in half with all that bullshit of changing patterns and positions and stuff like that. Well, originally, when I first got the auto, I was doing um, – I was using the manual for sleeves, and then I was like, this sucks. I don't want to do manual printing anymore. I'm exhausted from it. So then I just started doing them all on the, all on the auto. So yeah, it would be good to have two, two presses for that reason, but I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see what the future yeah. holds. Yeah. I'm very excited. I want to see this black paint job as well. I, I made a mock-up. I'll send, I'll send you my mock-up. I'll send you the screening seal thing. Oh, cool. <laughs> Mine's really useful. Mine's going to really help you out. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. I really appreciate your time. I hope you have a nice day. It's my evening now, so I've just got to... Yeah, well, have a good evening. Thanks <laughs> Thank for having you very me much. on. I really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Okay. Sure thing. Cheers. Bye. Bye.